Good evening to you. It's Saturday, November 18th at 5.28 p.m. This is my second take of today's post game because I just did it on the wrong channel. You might be able to find it out there. It's That's a slightly abridged version of this one, I bet. Um, I was trying to figure out what I had done wrong, did the entire thing because I was like, man, I'm uh, my... Uh, my data on here is telling me that there's nothing happening in this stream, like literally no views, which is unusual. Even after a loss such as this today, uh, as Purdue falls, stumbles, kicks themselves uh, in Evanston to a uninspiring loss and now a 3-8 and eight record on the season, on the 2023 season. Uh, as you know, you can go to a bowl game if you have five wins. You can't go to one if you have four wins. And Purdue made sure they are not going to a bowl game this year today in Evanston by literally just sputtering and fumbling and doing everything they could to not be in the position um, to play an important football game at the end of this season. I'm going to talk all about it. But first, I want to thank our sponsors. I want to thank our friends at... Homefield Apparel. Head over there now. Head over to Homefield Apparel. Grab a virtually grab a T-shirt and sweatshirt. Put it in the cart. Enter Black Friday on the at checkout. You get twenty percent off. This doesn't really help us. If you do that, tell the good folks at Homefield that uh, your pal Boiler Dowd sent you there. Um, uh, like I said, that'll give you an extra five percent off after their Black Friday sale is over. You can go over there anytime for your first purchase and enter Boiled twenty three at checkout for fifteen percent off. And of course, and of course, when you're on campus, you know where to go. I know where to go, but I'm going to tell you anyway, you go over to AJ's on Vine. They're going to treat you well. You're going to have a delicious meal. It's going to warm your heart. It's going to warm your body. You're going to have some something tasty. You're going to have some friendly people to talk to. You're going to have TVs on the wall to watch your favorite sporting event. You're going to leave pretty happy. Burgers, beef, beer. That's AJ's. EatAJ's.com. So let me talk a little bit about Purdue and, and why they are 3-8 and eight right now. Okay, all season we have seen, that's not fair, 70% of the season we have seen an offense that has lacked the ability to either A, execute, or B, call plays that put them in a position to win. Today we got bad news, right? from the jump in the morning, if you were paying attention, if you were on Twitter, if you were on Golden uh, Golden Black, wherever, you heard that Hudson Card was injured and he was going to be out today. Turns out, I think it's a cracked rib from what I'm hearing. Um, he was injured last week during the game, in case you're wondering. It wasn't during practice. Um, and also, another kind of thumb in the eye to this Purdue team was Nick Scorton was out today. He was out completely not not dressing. That's a pretty big loss to lose two of your best players for a team that's already relatively thin and needs everybody healthy they can have. But instead, they're going to have to fight their way to do something bigger, kind of overcome some of their shortcomings. And I said it on Twitter that it was going to take a Herculean effort from Tyrone Tracy and Devin Mockaby. And guess what? Those two guys delivered. And yet, Purdue uh, was not able to um, do their part and um, uh, and bring him a victory from the mighty Wildcats in Evanston. Beautiful day, like a Chamber of Commerce day in Evanston. Uh, Purdue made it somewhat close. It was a one-possession game at the end of the game. Ended in super fitting fashion with a an interception. But let me talk about why that's fitting. Let's look at this. 
here's some of the drives. I'll just go. I'm not going to go through drive by drive, but I will tell you some of the results. You had three drives um, that ended in turnover on downs. You had a missed field goal. You had two interceptions. You had two fumbles lost, and then on top of that, you had two fumbles that were retained. That's uh, that's how you say lousy. That's a pretty pretty bad day, and um, and I'm watching highlights as we speak of IU. Uh, losing to Michigan State with a field goal that went wide right. And it what that did was prepare us for an old-timey, crappy bucket game. Two three-win teams squaring off and getting everyone ready for the postseason. There's nothing, uh, no, no bowl game being denied by one team, by them getting gritty, or one team trying to earn their way into a bowl or to a better bowl. No, no, no. This is like the uh, mid '90s all over again. This is this is like the really like the late '80s more than that. This is this is painful stuff. So you have two, three, and eight teams that are going to play each other in Ross Aid. But how do we get there? Well, we get there because um, Graham Harrell and um, Ryan Walters chose instead of just giving one quarterback the ability to get into rhythm and to learn a little bit. New, uh, you know, you have a, a quarterback in his first career start. Uh, with, uh, I think it was Bennett Meredith who started the game. But instead of doing that, letting him get into rhythm or letting Ryan Brown get into rhythm, they they alternated uh, possessions, and that philosophy yielded very, very poorly. For our Boilermakers, I'll tell you what happened. I'm going to go over stats quickly. Um, they combined for 17 and 23 passing. Not awful, but uh, Ryan Brown, um, he was he was the better quarterback when I watched, but he had the worst results. <laughs> He was 16, or 12 of 16, 104 yards, uh, and two interceptions. But how he earned his money, if you will, how he, um, how he did his thing was running it. He made great decisions quickly. When the pocket would break down, he would make the decision, and he would dash for um, the first down marker. Part of that, the issue where he was able to pad his stats a bit was toward the end of the game, Northwestern was dropped into a prevent defense. But he still... He, he had 21 carries for 85 yards, averaging four yards a carry. Now let's talk about, a bit about Maccabee. Maccabee. Maccabee had 12 carries, 54 yards, having four and a half yards a carry. Sounds pretty good so far, but wait, it gets better. Tyrone Tracy, 16 carries, 160 yards with a touchdown, uh, just like Maccabee. He also had a touchdown. But Tyrone Tracy averaged 10 yards a carry, and how he did it, if you watch the game, very patient runs. He would just wait for his blockers to get in place, wait for holes to open up, and then he would hit the gas and and find a way. Northwestern is an okay team. Northwestern was playing some inspired football. You, as you know, uh, their coach, uh, David Braun, right, um, got uh, the uh, interim coaching tag removed from his title this week, early this week. It was Sunday or Monday. And he became the permanent head coach for Northwestern after leading them against all odds uh, to a uh, uh, a bowl game. Now they are bowl eligible after beating your Boilermakers. They earned it. Uh, I'm not a big fan of this thing saying this is an inspiring story or any of that, but he did a good job kind of fighting odds, keeping a team together that could have easily just blown itself apart in the wake of a scandal. They earned that scandal. This is a lot like Michigan saying us against the world. To me, when you have a bunch of bad things happening, nobody's stepping up to stop it. I have a hard time calling this a heroic thing. Maybe you disagree with me. That's fine. But Braun earned his money. He's only been there for a short time. He probably did know about the scandal, the things that were happening. Um, but he wasn't the guy who who 
started the problem, or even a guy that I don't think he executed the problem, made it worse at Northwestern. That said, uh, call me call me a cynic for for not being in love with Northwestern football. So uh, let's see on the on that fumble side. Let's talk. So you had Sheffield, Maccabee, uh and Ryan Brown all had fumbles, but only Sheffield's was lost in that group. Um, on the defensive side, Dylan Thingman, uh, he had, he had, he led all, all, uh, Boilermakers with 10 tackles. He also had an interception that kept Purdue in it, it late, gave Purdue a chance to go down and score. Um, but he also had one of the biggest lapses of the season. He's had two of those this year that led directly to a score. Northwestern had two big plays that really, really spelled doom for Purdue since Purdue couldn't move the ball consistently or effectively. These two break breakdowns on defense. He had one of those, like I said, um, uh, really, really hurt Purdue. But the other one was Northwestern had the perfect play dialed up when Purdue had a blitz dialed up and uh, they scored easily. After Thieneman, you had Yanni Karloftis with six tackles and a sack. Um, one of those was a sack. Kedron Jenkins, uh, solid game. He had uh, half, a, half a sack, four tackles. But the guy you want to really look at when you talk, somebody doing uh, some work, uh, with an opportunity, of course, was Corday Sendor, who takes the place for Nick Scorton, uh, goes and gets two sacks. There's something to be said about this system being pretty special and giving defenders, specifically guys up front, the ability to go make plays, to go get to the quarterback. Um, and they did it yet again. Uh, Mo, Adon, uh, Mo Amande, uh, hold on, I'm going to try it again. Mo Amanade, I think that's right, um, had one and a half sacks. I mean, the defense played pretty well. They had really two lapses, two bad plays, but they were on the field a lot. This is a recurring theme. Um, but bigger than that, the offense just could not finish a drive. Couldn't finish a drive. And all the people like me who have been critical, skeptical of uh, Graham Harrell, I think can say it looks to me like that Minnesota game is a little bit of an aberration. You can say that the um, – the rest of the season kind of tells the bigger story that play calling is not very good. Offensive line looked good to me again. They looked like they were holding up their their blocks. They were making space. Of course, you saw, like I said, Tyrone Tracy is excellent behind this offensive line because of the patience of the way he runs and then his immediate explosiveness. Um, but all of it doesn't matter because you leave with a loss against a team that, once again, how many times has Purdue done this this year where they played a team where you say they they should, they could, they might be able to beat them, and then they walk away uh, with a loss. And it's a very frustrating season. Uh, my pal uh, Handel Jones said it's a forgettable season. I don't know if it's forgettable. I think we're all going to remember this. It's a bad season. Let's let's be real honest. You can blame injuries. You can blame whatever you want. The the turnover, the new coaches, Northwestern right across on the other side of the field. That's a new head coach. That's a lot of guys probably doing new things, new roles. They found a way to six wins. This is a very, very weak Big Ten West. This is the last Big Ten West you're going to get to enjoy. As I speak, I'm watching two Big Ten West behemoths, Illinois and Iowa, battle to a 10-9 game in the third quarter. Big Ten West isn't going to be around much longer for us to kick around, and and um, Purdue missed an opportunity not getting to a bowl. I don't care who was coach, in my opinion. You can disagree. Um, injuries did play a part. There's no doubt, but I just... Gosh, it's tough to watch. Um, regardless of who was at quarterback, Purdue, I think, should have won today. Could have won, did not win because they 
over and over. Again, short yardage, right? This is a big deal with Graham Harrell. Short yardage, he doesn't have a he doesn't have a way to get to the <laughs> to get a foot, to get a yard. Uh, he doesn't have that play in the offense. In, in fact, almost every time you have the well, every time you got the quarterback dropped into shotgun, and then you've got something that loses yards almost every time. I do not blame the offensive line. I think those guys have been courageous. I think they've been excellent all year, battling and battling and battling. Um, effort is not the problem here with this team, but coaches, you guys got your work cut out this off season. And I would highly suggest. I know they. I know they're big, handsome hour and boiled sports fans. Who isn't? But if you're listening, coaches, go get a special teams coach. First thing. That's the first order. Second order is. Listen to a veteran coach at minimum. Add one of those consultants, a guy who's been around the block. Maybe Dino Babers will be available soon. Soon, If he's available to be to come on staff, he's a guy who likes Purdue, who's coached in West Lafayette. If you can go get him, go get him. Get him on the staff and listen to what he has to say. Get an old veteran who knows his way around. Coach Walters has admitted multiple times this year that he thought something was going to happen and it didn't happen, and that's okay. He's young. I really don't fault him for it. If you're going to fault anybody for it, look back and say, Mike Babinski, man, it's tough to get a guy who's on the job training. Brian Walter's upside is still quite good, but man, he needs some some wisdom in his ears, some people that are going to help him get there quicker and understand things quicker because um, there's work to be done and I think they can get better. I just hope they will. It would be very unusual for us as Purdue fans – We've been pretty pretty spoiled with the idea. New coach comes in, either A, we know right away what he is, or B, well, we know right, right away what he, what he is. He's either good or bad, and we can see that generally. We have, have very few, man, when I think back to the Purdue coaches that I've gone through, and that goes back to, I remember Leon Burtonette. I really don't remember uh, young coaching. But generally, you knew early what type of coach they were. If they were mediocre, if they were good, if they were bad at Purdue. It would be pretty awesome to see Ryan Walters and company next year lead our Boilermakers to a bowl and six, seven, eight wins. The schedule's absolutely monstrous again next year. Go check it out if you are into that sort of thing. If you're a bit of a sadist, you may love it. So it's going to be hard next year. It's going to be really tough. But first, we got to get through the bucket. Noon kickoff. Next week, I think, on Big Ten Network. Um, on Monday, Purdue will, this is a fun week. Purdue gets to play uh, Gonzaga and Maui. We will have a handsome hour probably at 9 p.m. after that as kind of a post-game wrap-up. So that'll be fun. Hope you can tune in. Should be, regardless of the result, I think it'll be a lively conversation because uh, every game this basketball team plays should be fun for us. We get to learn a bit more about how they're gelling. We're learning a little bit more about what Matt Painter's doing with with lineups and um, what's coming next with how to create points, how to create consistency out of this team, how to avoid playing a team that should not be able to compete with you, should not be able to beat you, but somehow finds a way to knock you out of a out of your system and run theirs. That's all Painter's trying to do. He's trying to get in the position where there's so many scores on the court that overwhelms teams and they can't do things like pack it in on Edie and dare guys to shoot threes that can't shoot threes. There's a lot of uh, uh, a lot of opportunity for guys who didn't play a lot on the basketball side and um, here on the football side, 
the season is almost over. And you can say it's either positive or negative, depending on how what you look forward to. But it's almost over. Thanks to everybody tuning in live. Ted Berkey's right here. He says, it's so frustrating because we played well enough to win, but couldn't find a way to actually pull it out. And he's right. Ted's correct. Ted's always right. He's always here. He's good. He's a he's a good BSer. I mean, boiled sports guy. Appreciate you being here, Ted. And you are absolutely correct. Not I, one thing in my personal life that bothers me more than anything. I say this to my son all the time: is I can't stand to see um, potential that's squandered. Purdue had the potential to get to a bowl game here. I'm not even asking for something big. I'm saying six wins. Purdue should be in the position where they're getting ready for a bowl. But they squandered it. And that's that's the I think it's a it's a frustrating thing in the human condition when you see a when you see anybody, an individual, an entity, a school, a team, not reach their potential because they don't do the things they're capable of doing. And I think that's kind of the frustrating thing about this Purdue team. Sure, there's some personnel issues, no doubt. But are they a three win team? I, I joked around a couple weeks ago before Minnesota, one of the best two-win teams you're going to see in America. That's quite a crown to wear, right? So Jim Garfinkel says, uh, need something to cover the hole I punched in my wall. I'm thinking a dartboard with Harold's pick. Yeah, that's I like it. I think that'd be neat. Make a game room out of it. I like that. I think that's a great idea. You could get one of those... Um, there's game, you know, systems, you know, like the ones that are all hardwood, be really nice, dress it up, and you don't have to worry about doing drywall work. It's very hard anyway. Nate Anderson says, Brown looks good. The interceptions are understandable. First appearance. Yeah, one of his inter inter uh, interceptions, Nate, was on a linebacker just kind of in his bat pedal. And if you remember back to the, the go-go days of Curtis Painter at quarterback, especially his junior year, he had a real problem at missing linebackers who were in their back pedal. He'd kind of look past them or look through them which is kind of, it's something a lot of quarterbacks do. But I like what I saw out of Ryan Brown. I, I am really, for me, uh, that guy looks like he's, he's the backup. Um, and next week that I've heard that Hudson Card will be good to go. I'll tell you what, if he's got a cracked rib, if that's the condition that he's got, and he plays next week, that is macho. And if he played, I think, a quarter and a half from what I understand, last week with that cracked rib that is that's texas tough right there um and uh, hats off to him like i said there's no problem with effort and hustle and i think that's one of the things you don't want to see a team give up and this team hasn't given up you really don't want to see a, a fan base giving up either and i think the malaise um is a possibility in purdue fans and i'm and i'm sad about that because i think purdue fans are pretty darn um our expectations are realistic to say we want to see a bowl team is not crazy talk. It is a hard schedule, like I said. But I think a lot of Purdue fans are let down right now. Um, we really don't want apathy to set in. I'd much rather see people angry than apathetic. Um, for me, I go to sarcasm. I did it a little bit on Twitter. I've done it in past weeks. But, yeah. Anyway, let's move on. Okay, uh, Ted Berkey again says, we still need more of a downfield threat through the air without card. Um uh, yeah, I, sorry, I, I cut, cut off your message, but yeah, we do need more of a downfield threat. You, you saw Burks today had a great play, a really good play call by card, which, uh, misdirection that gave Burks the ball with just two linemen in pursuit. It looked like they had the angle, but Burks wheels got it done as he was able to tiptoe past the pylon. Um, 
Burks is a legit downfield threat. The problem you've got, I think, is the lack of a consistent core of receivers playing this year. Losing Yassine was huge because he was producing so much early and he's a good possession receiver. He's that um, he's that security blanket uh, every, every uh, quarterback needs. Um, and you really need, honestly... <sighs> Garrett Miller, I want I want him to come back again because I don't think we saw the best best version of Garrett Miller. But you need very very productive tight ends in this offense. You need everybody healthy, and you need probably one more receiver. And I would hope maybe Tibbs is that guy. He might be here because everybody talked big about um, uh, Tibbs out of Cathedral in Indianapolis. Maybe he's the guy. Um, but you're right. They need. I think they're one receiver away from having a really really respectable receiving core. It's a good point. Um, let's see. Uh, Ed Albanese says, pretty sad when you can't convert on fourth and goal. Well, it wasn't just fourth and goal. It was like fourth and, what, 12 inches, 18 inches. And it is sad, but it's also something we've seen over and over. Tell me you didn't see that and say, oh, man, here we go, right? Um, it is sad. That play calling down there, uh, it stays frustrating. Uh, Steve Azano says, for whatever reason, the O-line seemed to do much better in run protection than pass pro. And I agree. And I think the they they are able to open up lanes. They've done that all season. They've really done it well after. If you have a core of offensive linemen for two games in a row, they've shown they can really, really do their job. But in pass protection, not as good. But with a guy like Brown or Card, okay, let's say either one of those guys, who makes the de- makes a decision quickly to tuck the ball and run, you're going to be okay. The problem that we have, I said this to the Boiled Sports guys, and I'll say it to you guys now. When Purdue played Minnesota, my my fear of that game was not that Minnesota was good. It was that Minnesota was big and strong. My fear was proven out, obviously, because Card leaves the game with an injury that keeps him out of the next game. And that was kind of one of my biggest fears as we were in the big – the part of the the schedule with Nebraska and Michigan, Minnesota, right in there, <clears throat> Ohio State, pardon me, a lot of big bodies there, a lot of guys who hit hard. That type of game is a meat grinder on a quarterback. It's really tough. You're going to get hit a lot. And at that same time, the offensive line was really struggling to find its identity and to find its um, its feet under them, and that hurt. That hurts in the long run. Um, let's see. Uh, let's see one more. Next year, Notre Dame, Oregon, Penn State, Ohio State, all in our schedule, says at Albany is all at the same time. Yeah, and so if you that's you can go look at the schedule. Ed's correct, um, but that schedule, my gosh, that's a that's a hell of a schedule. Repeat: Notre Dame, Oregon, Penn State, Ohio State, and I think you've got. Tell me if I'm wrong. I think Oregon State at Oregon State in the pre-con. So you've got. Notre Dame and at Oregon State. Fun, fun, fun. Yeah, so um, next season, I mean, man, these coaches, they have their work cut out for them. This is why they get paid the big bucks, but they're going to they're gonna earn it. They're going to earn it. If they can, um, first thing is, right, keep guys on the roster. Don't let them fall into the transfer portal. That's, that's going to be a big deal because Purdue has a lot of guys that the tampering is a real thing. We saw um, Malik Carr. Speaking of tampering, um, score a touchdown versus IU that put Michigan State in the lead. Guys like Malik Carr, who um, you know people find a way in their ear, say, "Hey, man, it's pretty good over here." 
late car, I think, was sold to Bill of Goods by uh, Tom Izzo and um, uh, and Michigan State's football program. I don't know exactly who recruited him, but it's a shame. But the tampering is real, and uh, I believe Coach Walters has got a so it's a big job. Keep guys here, hit the portal to get some depth uh, in both sides of the trenches. Go get some, go get a wide receiver or two. Um, and then uh, make sure these guys that are coming in, the, the signed class, starts lifting weights and eating healthy. Let's go get them. And uh, maybe some of those guys. Let's, I think a fair assessment is three, four freshmen making big impact right away. That's a lot. That's a lot to ask. So football program building is, is a long process. Even with the uh, the portal, it's still somewhat difficult. It can be a little quicker if you can you can master the portal. But at the same time, you don't want to build your program on the portal. Ask Michigan State. Does it work? It's not very good. Um, it's not the it's not the long answer. So, um, Nathan Sheets says, "I love the show. Keep the good work. Thank you. Appreciate you, Nathan. And um, thanks to everybody who tunes in. I think that'll be it for me today. Um, thanks. It's a tough." topic to talk about or listen about but i hope you have enjoyed this season um i hope to see you all basketball season i will do my best to put up post games be here every week for the handsome hour but you'll have content just kind of boom 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 all all winter long keep you warm in the if you're in indiana in the uh cold cold indiana winters january february is the worst for me so i'll hope uh we can all get together and talk about our boiler basketball team as uh, we watch them hopefully uh, shore up some things. Cause to me right now, being real honest, I know I hear guys on the field of 68 telling me Purdue's one of the best teams in the nation. I watch them. I'm like, they're good. I don't think they look like one of the best teams in the nation right now. But then again, uh, it's being in the season. So they're a work in progress. Maybe that's intentional by painter. Remember this time last year, man, they were great. And the year before, that was when Ivy's team scored points by the bunches, and they were up in the 90s of every game. The defense sucked that year, but the offense was awesome. This year, compare and contrast, the offense kind of goes away at times. You'll see lapses where Purdue just can't find a bucket. So maybe these personnel issues will start working themselves out, and Purdue will start getting the spacing right on defense, for instance, that sort of thing. We'll see. Um yeah. Uh, Hayden Rose says, win or lose, young players have been impressive. Watching the game gives me hope. Okay, I love that. I love that Hayden sees hope, and I agree. All over the field, sprinkled all over the field, there are young players that are making a difference, making an impact. There's no doubt about that. That said, Purdue needs to build depth, right? I think that's the thing we thought coming in was our uh, biggest concern, was that depth would come to uh We'd come into play, and sure enough, it did. So, um, Ed Albany has asked one more question. Prediction versus the Zags. Okay, I'm going to give you a prediction versus Gonzaga. Here's the thing. I've watched who Gonzaga's played. Gonzaga's laying points. You know, they're putting putting up 90 and 100 points regularly. They're playing a team that looks like me and Ed and Hayden and uh, Ted Berkey are suiting up. Jim Garfinkel, we're all suiting up and playing Gonzaga. This is what Gonzaga does, though. Their, their hardest part of the season is the pre-con generally. And then they get to take breaks off, play a good team, take a couple weeks off, play a good team. Always thought they're a joke. Their program's a joke. But they are talented, and they've got some guys that are very good, and they're going to be hyper-motivated to set things right uh, versus Purdue. 
Here's what I think is going to happen. I think Purdue's going to lose that game. I think Purdue's going to lose that game and win the follow-up or vice versa. That's what I think in Maui. So, um, and I just kind of feel like you can't, you just can't keep winning all the time in the pre-con. And here's the deal. I'll make you a deal, Ed. I'll trade this win for a win in March. And I don't even care. First round, second round, get the bad taste out of your mouth. Win the first round in the in the NCAA tournament, um, just to just to say, okay, hey, everything's all right. We don't lose. You know, Purdue's got to be a high seed again, right? We don't know how high, but if I were a betting man, I'd say top three seed again, right? So you've got to go, and I mean it. I would trade if this was. I mean, like it's a stupid thing to say, but yeah, I think they're going to lose a game either the, either versus Gonzaga or Tennessee. Um, so that's my prediction. Not much of one, not very bold, no hot take there. Um, but I think if Painter continues to screw around with this lineup where you have uh, TKR as a starter, I think I think that lineup is nothing more than an experiment that is failing. It's not TKR that's failing. It's that it doesn't work together. This this lineup's not not the best way to go. So, um, yeah, good good point, Ed. Learn from the loss now. Bank it get better. That's the biggest thing. So good stuff. Thanks to everybody. Thanks for the interaction. Um, always fun to talk to people here after a game, even if it's on a little bit of a delay. God bless you. Hammer down. We'll talk to you soon. See you Monday uh, after the Gonzaga game.